All that's right. Very, that's very professional. Yeah, Nicely I like that. Done. I like that too. It's really hard to keep your mouth shut when you know the song's going and you really want to say stuff because they love talking to you. Oh, really? Oh, I got to... Yeah. You should welcome everybody, though. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Welcome, everybody, to Beer, <laughs> Bourbon, and Balderdash. 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 It sounds like uh, I got a from a listener, Craig. Sounds like we have a fast snapback echo on me. So that echo thing's happening again. Mm. So let's mm. see if we can fix that. Thank you, Craig. Um, I bet you I know is what that, it is. I know what it is. Is that the Craig? No, it's not the Craig. It's a different, different Craig. Craig. Super sweet guy. I just had to cut out... I had to turn off the stream. Okay, I had to turn off the stream because I think I knew what it was, and now I, I fixed I don't know how to do it without turning off the stream. It's a setting in the stream that I think got it's messed really, up. It's really, really hard to shut down the stream. Yep. It don't stings. cross the streams. I don't can't stop midstream. It stings. <laughs> it stings. Well, Johnny, how are you? You had uh, We were supposed to do this yesterday. Uh, and then you bailed yeah. out on me last minute, so that was cool. I'm sorry, that wasn't my fault. I ended up sitting on the tarmac in Dallas for two hours, which made me miss my on-time flight, which made me sit in the Atlanta airport for lots of hours. So there was a so, storm uh, in Dallas. Yeah, and I don't know if you've have you've you flown through the Dallas airport. Yes, I have. It's massive. Yeah. Like it, oh, yeah. It's got a whole bunch of, and it's so like it was really funny because on our side of the airport, like the pilot came on and he's like, "There's a storm crossing the south part of the airport that's shutting down that half of the airport." But on our side of the airport, it was like sunny and blue skies. Oh. But it was like they had to shift everybody, like all the planes coming in and going out, all had to shift to to the half of the airport that yeah. we were on, and so it created this big backup. And then we're like. Like, he keeps giving us updates, like, let us know he's going to shut down an engine to save on fuel, but otherwise we're going to have to go back. And um, then at one point, he's like, we were fourth in line for takeoff, we thought we were going to start moving, and then a storm rolled through our side of the airport, which shut down our half of the airport. Like, two separate systems came through at different times and just, like, thunderstorms that caused us to be late. Um and so, like, part of me was like, oh, at this point, I'm going to miss my flight. Best case scenario is we go back to the gate and they just stay in Dallas. Yeah. Uh, that would have been better. But I made it home. Yeah. And they lost and they lost my bag. Oh. Well, I mean, the big so. question is, how was the porn convention? Oh, uh, the porn convention was great. Yeah? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's full of weirdos, but whatever. <laughs> I fit right in. <laughs> um, that was for yeah. Wayfair, right? Yes, it was. It was for Wayfair. Light ovation. So our lighting suppliers have, there's like a big thing down there. Anyway, it's not that exciting. Um, Still has nothing to do with putting kids in furniture and selling them on Wayfair? Oh, no, that's the um, large parcel sofas. (laughs) That's not my team. We don't don't do that. The curio cabinet for $20,000. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, They did lose my bag. They nice. they decided to drop it off in Atlanta and leave it there. All those dildos. Yeah, that's right. It was a little heavy. <laughs> um, but they did say, I talked to them yesterday, or they called me today, and it's out for delivery. So there is a slight possibility that they'll call right in the middle of this nonsense. <gasps> that's awesome. So Make, we'll make sure see, you we'll give us a step-by-step, play-by-play. Yeah. I was going to take works. my pants off, but I, I have to like, <laughs> run downstairs real quick. But need to be efficient. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Uh, well, Balderdashers, uh, tonight uh, John and I have a um, pretty good episode for you, I think. Uh, we're going to do some Westland whiskey. We're going to do I'm the American Oak. And then we're going to do the Barrel Mountain Brewing Ash Cloud. Ash Cloud. Ash yep. Cloud. Not to be confused with Ass Cloud. Yeah, that's a different thing. Yeah. Yep. It's a, those are usually after burritos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So should we pop the beer? Yes, let's do okay, it. Okay, so this this is um, Barrel Mountain Brewing Company, Ash Cloud. They're near, uh, they're out of Battleground, which is near Mount St. Helens. So mm-hmm. when they talk about Ash Cloud, that's what it's referring to. Mm-hmm. It actually has the date of the eruption on the can, which I think is kind of fun. Yeah, 51880. Uh, yeah, uh, it was four days before my first birthday. Wow, I was two. I'm an old butthole. My mom was uh, in Yakima at the time. And yeah. the black mark that she swore for years that was on her lungs, she said was ash from Mount St. Helens sitting in her lung. Mm. Turns out it was cancer and she died last couple months ago. So it wasn't ash. 
Nope. <laughs> it's turn, probably, turn, turns out. 60 years of smoking also puts black yeah, that, marks on your lungs. Couldn't couldn't be something I did to myself. <laughs> Love you, it Mom. It must have been the volcano. <laughs> yep. Pour a little out for Ma. I miss, I miss her. Uh, but anyway, this brewery gets really good reviews. Uh, I don't think I've ever been there. Hmm. Uh, I might, well, I might have. Too bad Helen's not here. She remembers things. I don't. Uh, but anyway, let's pop this open. Yeah, yeah. Ready? I'm ready. Oh, yeah. All right. I got so a this foamer. Is, this is an amber ale. Well, that's because I shook it up really good before I gave it to you. <laughs> like three weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you know that I actually climbed to the top of Mount St. Helens once? No. Tell me all about it. Yeah. Well, it was hard when I was tired. Mm-hmm. And then I was like shamed because this actually flows really well into our conversation about yeah. uh, being com- comparing yourself. Um, it's like a 12 and a half mile hike. And the last part's called the vertical beach mm-hmm. uh, because it really is like an almost vertical hundred yards of sand. Wow. And if you ever try to climb up a sand hill, it's really, really hard. And this is after you're exhausted from our, our already hiking up. But, and, and so like they recommend you have somebody that, that is a guide to take you up your, if it's your first time, but you can go up on your own. You have to buy permits. And I think they only allow a hundred people up a day. Yeah. And uh, you can do it in a day. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Yeah, so we got up early. We hiked up there. And then we're sitting there at the top, like, relaxing, getting ready to go. And this family comes up, and there's, like, this eight-year-old kid just, like, running up the freaking mountain. <laughs> oh, God, we're so out of shape. <laughs> yeah, that's eight-year-old energy, though. They don't know any better. Like, there's nothing in their mind that says, this is hard. Yeah, I should not do that. There was a point at which uh, Mike and I were going up, and we talked about it later. Because Mikey came with us. So it was me and Helen and Mikey and Helen's brother, Paul, and her dad, mm-hmm. Bob. Uh, we all went together with a couple other people we didn't know. And like, we're getting close to the end and I was just exhausted. And uh, later Mike and I talked about it and I admitted to him at one point, it was like, I want to quit, but I'm not going to quit if Mikey doesn't quit. If Mikey quits, I'll quit with him. But if he doesn't quit, I'm not going to quit. And he told me, he was like, oh shit, I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> not going to quit, but but I want to. So it was hard, but it was really fun and it was gorgeous. We had like the 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 bluest day you could imagine I have pictures from it. And you can see all the other volcanoes all the way down into Oregon. That's awesome. There. So you can see That's Mount great. Hood and Jefferson and yeah. Granite Peak and uh, Rainier, of course. Yeah. So anyway, it was gorgeous. Very cool. So much like this beer, actually. Yeah. Tell us about it's it. Really, it's really pretty. Uh, well, it's an amber ale, so it's going to typically be a little darker, a lot more malty than hoppy. Um, but this is like got a really nice red color. Yeah like a copper like a red copper color to it nice kind of tan head on it looks delicious yeah cheers cheers oh yeah yep this is a very oh sweet too it's a very standard amber ale yeah but that's what you want though you want something that is consistent and good when you're going mm -hmm. for an amber ale yeah so these always taste like homebrewed beers to me because mm. I think that's like the most common one I've had of people's that when they do home brewing, uh, and also temperature control is pretty tough when you're home brewing. And I think a lot of times, <clears throat> so like you can change the way that the sugars are converted in the process based on the temperature yeah. that you mash at, but that temperature range is only about 10 degrees. And so if you're at like 148 degrees, you'll get a much different conversion than if you're at 158 degrees. Okay. So most, most, Homebrewers shoot for 154, but since it's hard to control, oftentimes you end up getting it hot or too cold, uh, and you get more or less convertible sugars. So, um, but this one has this was nice. They did a really good job on it. Good. Would not be disappointed to have this again. No, I actually really really enjoy it. It's got a sweet taste to it. It's nutty. Um, mm-hmm. It's also malty, mm-hmm. and I like that. Yep. Pretty yeah. common with the amber ales. I don't I don't know if I could drink this on a hot day, but. On like a fall day after a hike, this would be really great. Mm-hmm. So I could get down with that. Oh, then yeah. they have they have uh, happy hour. Just we can't have happy on Rhode Island. They think it's of the devil, but in Washington we do, and they have three dollar pint happy hours at Barrel Mountain Brewing. At Barrel Mountain Brewing oh, wow. sounds like a good place to go. I love Mount St. Helens. Uh, we took the kids there a few years back. We didn't hike up the mountain, obviously, but did you go to the Ape Caves? No, we didn't do the Ape Caves because it was. 
It wasn't. It wasn't like it was planned, but unplanned. We're like, hey, let's just go up there. We've never been to Mount St. Helens. That was the first time I've ever been to Mount St. Helens. Oh, okay. <clears throat> it's cool out there. It's really neat. We loved it. It's a. It's yes. a. It's it's another experience. It's like getting close to Mount Rainier, and you're just looking at it, and it's just, mm-hmm. it's massive, and you can't believe this is oh, in yeah. your backyard. Yeah. No kidding. Especially if you know the history of it. Like mm-hmm. if you've watched any of the documentaries about uh, that day when yeah. it exploded. Um, it's it's pretty nuts to actually see what happened. Yeah. I mean, because it's, it's clear as day, like half the mountain's gone. Yep. And you get up close to like Spirit Lake or any of those places and, you know, you start knowing the locations where some crazy shit went down. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's humbling. Yeah. It kind of makes me worried about Rainier because if Rainier goes, it's so close to the city. Oh, yeah. It we're blows toast. up the wrong way. I mean, we wouldn't get hit. I mean, it would be devastating as far as ash and stuff and and whatnot i mean we wouldn't have any kind of hydroplasty or anything like that come down no. um, well the the, the ash will probably go based on our weather patterns probably go east yeah so we might not get hit by much of that but there's like the lahars that come down like in the valleys the like the flash flooding that happens i think it's lahars i think that's what the the uh it's like flash flooding from the quick melting snow and ice yeah. and it picks up all the debris and it follows the channels all the way down like they they have models of it and any building that's in any of those stretches is just like they're done. Yeah. Yeah. I would actually suggest anyone to watch that Mount St. Helens documentary. There's that old guy that refused to to leave his home. He lived there his mm-hmm. whole life. He's like 80 years old, dead. Um, yeah. And then that whole community is just wiped out. There's even the guy, the guy who was telling them, uh, there's a story. I can't remember his name. I wish I could remember it. Um, but uh, he's the one that was telling everyone it was about to blow. And he was kind of like last man out, basically, because he was trying to get everyone else out, and he he died. Yeah, too. they were so like there's a lot of heroism out. and stuff like that. That was part of it too. Yeah, they kind of knew it was coming. Yeah, uh, but a lot of people didn't listen. Yep. Uh, I just also would like to point out that I nailed it with Lahar. Oh, that's exactly right. A definition: job. a destructive mud flow on the slopes of a volcano. Nice. Wow. Woo-hoo. Nerd. Yeah, there's your knowledge. Nerd. Yeah. Ooh. Nerds. Nerds. Awesome. Well, that is very tasty. Thank you for bringing that. Yeah. All uh, right. Before we start the whiskey, I want to, I want to talk. I want to have a talk with one of our listeners, longtime listeners. His name is JT, uh, also known as James. I won't give your last name out, James. Uh, but JT, um, you know, I would love since you are a longtime listener and and you like uh, John and I and our banter uh, to come up with a few topics for John and I to to talk about since you seem pretty vested. Um, oh, yeah. I, I just yes, got please. done talking to Scotty today. Uh, he was at my dad's house, and uh, and we thought maybe this would be a good idea to see if uh, see if old James wants to mm-hmm. wants to f- help us out with some some tips of what we can talk about or topics that maybe he would like to even hear our terrible takes on. So, hmm. so James, JT, get on that. The name the name James comes across as very respectable, but then you if you like add a <laughs> add a Coors Light. And it becomes JT. It's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> well, they had Boys Weekend or Guys Weekend recently. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't find out about it until like four days before, five days before. Well, but even then, I wasn't going to be able to go because because um, of Dana's foot. I couldn't leave her hydro because yep. I have to take yep. care of it. So, But, uh, you know, JT was, he was, I think he, uh, Scott told me that he, he was kind of hoping that Scott would have pushed a little harder for me to go because he wanted to talk about the podcast and, <laughs> and of course you weren't going to be able to go because you were already in Rhode Island at the time. So yeah. yeah well, maybe so next, maybe next time, maybe next time or maybe a winter time guys. Yeah. Too. Well, tonight's whiskey is uh Westland. We're going to do the American Oak cask. Uh, mm-hmm. This is part of the heritage collection that they do at uh, Westland and, and the heritage heritage collection is their flagship single malt. Their sherry wood and then their oak cask or American oak cask. Um, this is a malt whiskey. It's ninety two proof. Do yep. I remember right that this is they, they use sherry wood staves in the in the barrels? No, I, they, they finish it in a sherry wood. Oh, they finish it in a sherry, yeah in a barrel. Sherry wood yeah. cask. and then okay. same thing with the oak. They finish it Got in it. a new oak. Um, so this is um, and and what's really important about Westland, I'll. I'll talk about Westland here in a moment. What's really important about Westland, not just to the Northwest as far as single malts, uh, but to actually all of America right now, they are pushing, they are the leaders in pushing a single malt ratification as a, um, as a uh, 
American single malt clarification with our government. So there's a, uh, a report here that I'll, I'll talk about. Um, it says American single malt whiskey is about to get an official designation from the U.S. government. Uh, so Scotch diehards may sneer at American single malt whiskey, it says, but the U.S. government doesn't seem to have any qualms with the spirit. And the Federal Tax and Trade Bureau will soon unveil its official definition of American single malt, giving some added legitimacy to the whiskey. The New York Times reported on Monday it will be the first new spirit category in several several years and firmly plants the American liquor in the mainstream. Uh, it's necessary step given the critical mass that we have here with over 200 distilleries making single malt whiskey in this country. Um, so that's more than all of Scotland. <laughs> so, uh, and, and the leaders of this uh, is Westland Distillery. The Pacific Northwest takes center stage, stage with the use of local barley and barrels made with wood from local oak. So their whole thing is kind of sustainable um, distillery is uh is westland whiskey so they only use oak from the pacific northwest region um the barley is a varietal of barley that is uh that works in our region so instead of trying to take a a variety of barley that is from a a different growing region and trying to make it work here and barley is actually pretty robust i think it grows really well everywhere Mm -hmm. but to find one that really does well naturally in this climate is what Mm -hmm. they did and uh, and then the oak is the Garyana oak, and then uh, recently, um, I don't know if you've had it yet, but they're um, solemn, which is their um, it's a peat whisk single malt whiskey that they have. the The peat comes from the Pacific Northwest, so it's a unique peat from a bog in the Pacific Northwest. Um, and instead of it having that um, kind of more of that, uh, I guess band aid taste or whatever that most peat has, it's really not. It's it's actually beautiful. It's soft. Um, it's there, but it's it's subtle. It's not like pounds you in the face like other uh, peated single malts. It's just, it's beautiful. It's actually one of my favorites. The price point is high, uh, which is why I don't own a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I go down there as often as I can and do a tasting, and I just, I enjoy it so much. They do have a peated one, um, but that that one is is more of the like Lafroy type peated whiskey. Uh, this one tonight that we're drinking, it's 100% malted barley. It's Washington Select Pale Malt, Munich Malt, Extra Special Malt, Pale Chocolate Malt, malt Brown Malt. Um, so what we're going to get in on the nose is is a lot of those kind of chocolatey, coffee, kind of raisiny type smells um, that come from a uh, single malt. So let's give it a sniffy sniffy. Oh, so delicious. Ooh. I love Westland. I really do. Copper Works is also one of my favorites uh, here in the uh, in the Pacific Northwest. So is Westward. I like Westward as well. But Westland, I don't know. There's something about Westland. I just I keep going back to it. And I always kind of describe Westland as having like a cola smell or taste to it too. Not like a Coca Cola, but more like a like a like a Jones Soda type cola, like a natural. Like if cola. you've ever had like a, a classic cola, like an an old fashioned style cola. Yeah. It's- yeah, not not the sweet, not the sugary sweet version. Yeah. What do you get on the nose, everybody? No. It almost smells like um, like cherries. It has like a mm. like a dark cherry or like a cherry cola. Yeah. Actually, is what it smells like. It's really nice. It doesn't have like there's not a lot of. Um, alcohol burn off on it that like you know burns your nostrils when you give it that sniff yeah yeah it's nice and it's subtle i like it cheers Cheers. Mm. oh coffee chocolate Mm. so good yeah almost like a a burnt caramel kind of flavor yeah uh mm, that is good it's full of flavor and that's one of the things i like about it just it's just flavor after flavor and even after it lingers in your mouth it continues to be sweet it's very sweet very long Mm -hmm. um there's some spice there as well i just i really enjoy it yeah it's really delicious um not harsh at all Mm -mm. uh but interesting you know a lot of a lot of them 
like we've talked about it before, there are certain ones that are like not terribly interesting, but easy mm-hmm. to drink. And mm-hmm. so they're like a go-to. Yep. Um, this is not that at all, but it is also easy to drink. Yeah. But it's savory. It's one that you want to savor. It's one that you want mm-hmm. to sit and just enjoy and then have another and enjoy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, one more interesting thing that's it's actually a recent piece of news for Westland. Uh, Matt Hoffman, who's been there since the beginning, he's a co-founder and and I think he was the original master distiller at Westland. Uh, he's leaving. He's taking a break. He wants to go see what life's like um, outside of Westland is kind of how he described it. He almost, in an interview on WhiskeyCast, uh, which is a um, a very highly produced whiskey podcast. It's like a big, I don't know. I almost want to say it's like the Whiskey Advocate of podcasts kind of because it had all kinds of it's, it seemed like it had a lot of money behind it. It's not mm-hmm. a couple of Jamokes sitting in a basement or on Zoom <laughs> talking about stuff. Um, but it's very good nonetheless. And Matt said, uh, he, he said, he, he, if I'm paraphrasing, he said he kind of wants to find himself outside of Westward. And, and that's interesting because oftentimes we do kind of make our identity our work. And we often wonder... Oh, who am I outside of this job? I know my dad was that way for many years being a small business owner. Mm-hmm. Like what, wh- who am I? If I, if, you know, if I'm not Oak classics, like mm-hmm. <laughs> do I even have a personality anymore? Or am I, <laughs> you know, Steve Oak classic owner, you know? Yeah, for sure. So, uh, Tyler Peterson, who's been the mash man for since the beginning to 2010, um, and has been doing a lot of distilling and stuff. He's going to step up in, um, Matt's place. So I don't expect, uh, Westland whiskey to change much because it's kind of the recipe and the way that they've been doing things that mm-hmm. their whole mission, their whole, a lot of these companies, they, they get marketing for like, what's our story? Like, so their story is going to uh, <laughs> kind of stay the same. They're going to try to be sustainable permaculture type stuff, right? Getting only things from Washington as much as possible. Um, the water is from Washington. The, the barley's from Washington, the peats from Washington, everything's from Washington as much as possible. And then, um, and then, you know, I'm sure he'll come up with some other inventive blends. Um, and they still have the same uh, master blender that they've always had there at Westland. So I'm excited to see uh, what's going to come out next. Um, but they are, they're probably one of the best single malts in America that I have tasted personally. And I've had good single malts, but theirs is always, there's something unique, something special, something delicious, something worth talking about, I guess is how I would put it. Did you know that? Westland is not an independent distillery. Oh no, I did not know that they are. According to, according to Business Wire, they were bought by Remy Contro Group. Oh yes, yes, yeah, that's in the article. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just started looking it up. I love the stories and funny. I was going to ask you, like, how long do you think it's going to be until they sell? Because a lot, of, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they already have. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, not necessarily, not that that's necessarily bad. I'm sure it's going to have some, like if, I think if a company's doing the right thing, being bought by a company that can allow them spread their sort of message, I guess, or Mm -hmm. their business that is doing the right thing and help them grow um, and improve the industry, I think it's worthwhile. Well, yeah. And if, if those companies are smart, they'll allow what's working to continue to work without interference. Yeah. It's like, we, we just let them keep running. Uh, They can be their own business. We're just going to give them the distribution that they probably could use, or we could help them invest in larger equipment so they can grow more, but they're not going to typically, they won't like move their distilling, um, their manufacturing to an outside location or to a larger warehouse. Yeah. Yeah. I think most, I think most of the time companies go that route because they're looking for better distribution, Mm -hmm. which is better sales and then capital. They're looking for, Capital. capital and a bigger company will have more capital for more pot stills and acquiring mm-hmm. the barrels and helping out the Rick house and stuff like that as, as they go. Yeah, along. for so, sure. And uh, so Westland is one that stands above and beyond. I don't, I know copper works is also one that stands above and beyond and they work together. They know each other. Um, they actually share recipes and stuff with one another copper works in Westland. So there's, there's some camaraderie in the community especially if you're going to be the one that's going to lead the designation of American single malt, you probably want as many single malt makers uh, to have your back. Mm-hmm. But I wonder oftentimes how hard it is to compare yourself. If I was a distiller making a single malt, 
would I compare myself to a Westland or a Copperworks or, <laughs> you know, would I, would I go, oh man, I, mine tastes okay, but how do I get it to taste like X, Y, Z? And the, and the thing is, is that you can't turn around and with whiskey and you can't turn around and be like, well, I'm going to change the recipe tomorrow. And therefore everything's changed. You can tr- change the recipe tomorrow, but you still got to wait two, three years before you get a taste of it and go, oh, oh man, that didn't work out. You know, or depending on how many barrels and where you put the barrels in the rickhouse and how they, how they breathe and the temperature and all that stuff has all sorts of effects on how the whiskey tastes. And then once you dial it in, you know, so Matt uh, Hoffman, I mean, so he's been there since 2010. So 13 years. Uh, I mean, how many has he helped distill that are still sitting in barrels that, I mean, he'll get to taste one day, but (laughs) You know, that's that's kind of the thing is that a lot of these distillers know that at some point in time, if they continue in their careers, there'll be whiskeys they made or put in a barrel that they'll never oh, taste. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Which is a kind of a, a a cool thing, but also kind of a sad thing. Yeah. But other generations yeah. get to, you know, if, if your grandpa was a distiller and now you get to drink a, something that, uh, you know, he helped blend or whatever, and he's gone, mm-hmm. you get to, you know, taste grandpa, that's weird. So what defines a single malt whiskey? Like, I feel like we've never actually talked about it. Oh, they only use barley, so it's just malted barley. It could be different malted barley, barleys, uh, but there's no uh, there's no wheat, corn. There's no other grain. It's just... No other grain. Yeah, it's just malted barley. So that makes it a single malt. So I was, I was curious because, I, I mean, I think it gets thrown around a lot like a blend versus a single malt or, or whatnot. And one of the things that I actually never thought of that and I don't know if this is true, it says it guarantees that all the whiskey in that bottle has been distilled at one single distillery. doesn't mean it's not necessarily blended, mm. but that, mm-hmm. it, that it comes from the one location. Yeah. And is made with, with just water, malted barley, and yeast. So basically, if it's said that it's <clears throat> a blended single malt, and I don't know if they have to put that designation on. Yeah, I don't know if they do either. It'd be interesting if, that's, if they're trying to push that lo- labeling as a requirement or if... Yeah. They or, don't care. Or it could be the opposite. Like you'll see a lot of single barrels. Well, then you know it's not blended. Yeah. Right. So with regular whiskey or bourbon, if it's a single barrel, then you know that came from mm-hmm. one barrel and and then, you know, so yeah. I think when, most when, of these are blended anyways. When we did our, our tour of Long Branch in um, Lexington, mm-hmm. they the, the master distiller uh, or the head distiller would pull a barrel uh, we we'll, we'll would select a barrel. He'd taste a bunch of them, select a barrel. And if you took the tour, you had the opportunity to taste that barrel and buy a bottle of it. Yeah. Um, unblended. So it's like, however many, well, when the barrel's gone, it's gone. It's nothing. It's it, his whole purpose was to point out that nothing else will ever taste just like this one barrel mm-hmm. because of all those subtle nuances. Yep. There'll be some that are close. And if you, you know, aren't, really like savvy in the way to describe it, or maybe you don't have the best palate. You probably would never even notice the difference, but like those guys, they can taste the difference barrel to barrel. They can taste the difference. Like we were talking about from ones that were on the top of the stack and ones on the bottom, uh, ones where the mm-hmm. warehouse was a little colder that year than normal, or it got kind of hot because of a heat wave, the subtle differences that change, um, you know, maybe the char was a little heavier, whatever it happens to be. So anyway, well, was good I always think it's really good. interesting. Yeah, I'm looking at right now the American Single Malt Whiskey Commission. Um, yeah, cool logo, the eagle. So it sounds like it, it, they're almost trying to like make sure there's a designation between like yes. sourced whiskey and we made this whiskey here. Well, no, they they want it. Yes, well, I think what they want is something like how bourbon has, like it's only called bourbon yeah. if it follows these yes. rules. So yeah, here are the sure. rules that they are trying to ask for. Well, like a lot of whiskeys are are not actually fully like people buy base a base liquor mm-hmm. and then make their bourbon off of that. So it's like sure. sourced from larger producers. That's where MPG a, or a, whatever. Yeah, yeah, a lot of the the whiskeys or the bourbons that you get in the stores are made that way. Yep, and and they have to say they'll say on the back where they get the stuff. Oftentimes, yeah. So here's the designation for American single malt whiskey that I think they're trying to get ratified, and that is has to be made from 100% malted barley, uh, distilled entirely at one distillery, mashed, distilled, and matured in the United States of America, matured in oak casks of a capacity not exceeding 700 liters, 
distilled to no more than 160 proof, so 80% by volume, and bottled at 80 proof or more. So things to things to note that's different from bourbon, not new oak, so it can be used oak barrels. Mm-hmm. Um and uh and it has to be matured in those. And I think everything else is fine. Uh I think it has everything like with bourbon has to be at 80 proof, no less than 80 proof. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it can be higher. So yeah, and people who found this, this is um who found this um committee, found this uh commission, excuse me. Uh these are Balcones Distilling in Waco, Copper Works in Seattle, Few Spirits in Evanston, Illinois. Um I've had all those. They're fantastic whiskeys. Mm-hmm. Uh Headframe Spirits from Butte, Montana. I guess I know where I'm going on my road trip. Uh <laughs> Santa Fe Spirits Triple Eight Distillery in Nantucket, Massachusetts, by the way. Which one? Triple Triple Eight Distillery. You gotta write that down, buddy. In Nantucket? I'm not going to Nantucket. No, but that means that they have distribution locally. All right. You should look for it. Uh Virginia Distillery Company, Westland Distillery, and Westward Distillery out of Portland, which is phenomenal as well. And then there's a whole oh. bunch of other distillers. So I go here. You go where? Triple eight. I'd go there. Yeah, see cool. It's small. It's I mean, yeah, it's kind of cool. It's kind of rustic. It's like almost like some guy's barn that he turned into a distillery. <laughs> That's it's awesome. Pretty, yeah, it's pretty cool. That's cool. Right on. Uh, yeah. It almost looks like from the pictures like a like a false ghost town. Oh, really? Yeah. It's like, you know, like old old-timey buildings that you know are not old. There's just an air conditioner up in the window. <laughs> <laughs> But it's made to look that way. You Big should go. Space. It's you cool. Go. You should go check it out. That away. So uh, our topic tonight uh, was the comparison trap. And I'll tell you how I came about this topic. So I'll do a little confession here. Uh, I'm planning a road trip for Nathan and I uh, at the end of July. Uh, this road trip will include going to Boise, uh, down to Boise, and staying at Crater of the Moon National Park. Uh, then we're going to go to Grand Tetons. We're going to stay a night in Grand Tetons. We're going to make, we're going to stay a night in Yellowstone. I already got everything booked. We're going to stay a night in Yellowstone. We're going to go check out a couple things at Yellowstone. We're going to make our way up to Bozeman, then Butte, then Spokane, and then home. We got about seven days to do all this stuff. It's just going to be a father son adventure. I'm really looking forward to it. I think he is too. Uh, especially since the majority of it is camping, which I've, I miss, I miss camping. We'll see if my old body can, can sit on the ground or stay on the ground that long or sleep on the ground that long, but maybe I'll be tired enough or drunk enough to do it. So, um, I called up a friend that I haven't talked to in a while. Um, we used to stay with his family when we would go to Joseph, Oregon and I hadn't talked to him probably in a couple of years. And you know, I mean, we were just a barrage to chit chat because we were kind of catching up and it all came flooding back to me. Like this guy is, he's older than me. Um, but he is, like he lives life to the gusto. He's full of energy constantly. He's always thinking of stuff. He kind of grew up hunting and fishing and all that stuff. So he knows all those, all the things that I'm kind of like, I don't know. I don't even know how to start, you know, which is always my problem. If I don't know how to start a thing necessarily, it kind of petrifies me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do it anyways, but it, it still, it, it makes me feel weak. And uh, as he's telling me all these things his kids are doing and he's telling me all these things that he's doing, like I started comparing like what I've been doing and I'm kind of like, Oh, I'm, I'm kind of lame. Like I, I'm, I don't live such an exciting life or, you know, balls to the walls kind of life as this guy. And I got off the phone with him really like missing him and kind of happy that I talked to him. But I was also kind of like, what the hell am I doing with my life? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I went to Dana and she's like, how was it? I was like, it was good, but I kind of feel like, boy, they sure know how to live life. And what the hell are we doing? And I, and I told her, I was like, I don't mean that in a mean way or that we're stupid or that whatever. It's just, I think I'm, I think I'm in a trap. And she kind of looked at me and she goes, yeah, you're, you're comparing yourself. And I said, I am comparing myself. I said, we're in completely different situations. He used to live in West Seattle. He saw the writing on the wall about 10 years ago and, and moved his whole family to Joseph, Oregon, where his wife grew up, which is a, a one stoplight town. Mm-hmm in Eastern Oregon. And you have to like, you can't, it's not a a town that you can go through. You have to deliberately go into, uh, and it's surrounded by a mountain range. 
and has a really great lake, Wallawa, Lake Wallawa, mm-hmm. and uh, and the Wallawa Mountains surround it. And the winters are really hard, but you can't get out of it. You have to like go backtrack out of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, "That's the best decision I've ever had in my life." He's like, "My kids are outdoorsy." He sent me a he sent me a text of uh, his daughter who's fifteen, just shot her first bear. Um, and so it's her with the bear next to her. And, uh, it's just amazing. His kids have like all this outdoorsy, like cool experience. And then I remember I'm a city guy. Like I don't live in the woods. I don't live in the mountains like that. I don't, you know, we've made a choice too, that we live this way. And although I'd like to live more that way, that's just not in the cards for us. So I, I couldn't compare myself. And, and so it got me thinking about how destructive to the mind comparing yourself can be to Mm -hmm. others yeah for sure do you come away with it wanting to do something different or did it just make you feel down both you know it kind of made me like reassess my life but at the same time uh, make me feel like wow am i missing out on things you know and so i had to do some work in my head uh through that whole thing and try to kind of figure out what it is and i'm you know why am i feeling this way why am i thinking this way and kind of you know, do some, do some self-talk to kind of maybe justify our life. And, you know, I don't know. It was, it was mm-hmm. kind of a really odd thing that I wasn't expecting to uh, feel or get hit with. Yeah, that's, that's tough. I mean, it, I think we naturally do that because we're competitive. We're, we're creatures and creatures are competitive. We're just naturally competitive that way. And so, but we have the, the uh, ability to like, think deeper on the topic yeah. as opposed to just like I'm bigger. So I get to have sex with all the ladies, <laughs> you know, like, like, like a bear yeah, uh, or, or a deer or whatever. Um, Take a we shot think by it, a 15 year old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we think about it differently, you know, and it's like those, those intangibles and it's like, it's almost like the, the Facebook syndrome, right? Like, Oh yeah. Why is, media. Facebook, yeah. why is Facebook terrible? Well, any people who spend a lot of time on Facebook only see the best parts of other people's lives. So they just assume that everybody else's life is better than theirs. Yeah. And that it's like, everyone's always in Hawaii or yeah. in Greece. You yeah. know, th- nobody's like living their have, best life. Yeah, I just had a fight with my wife. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like nobody's, nobody's like putting that on there. Yeah. So we get this, like we, we start comparing in an artificial way. And so like in this case, I think, it's a little more of a it's a little more of a realistic comparison because it's not you're you're seeing it a little more holistically but also you're just talking about the best parts yeah right sure like and even the part like where winters are hard for someone like you that doesn't bother you that's not a negative that's possibly a positive so like i, I look know. at it like could be fun yeah i do too it could be shitty you know? but it could be fun yeah <laughs> So I don't know. So, so what did you, what did you, I mean, you did some work on it. You thought it through. Now where, where'd you land? Are you moving to Oregon? No. Well, so, you know, it's funny every time we go there. So we've gone there three times and I think Dana stopped wanting us to go there because every time we went there, I'd always go, I'm not, I'm not going home. You guys can go. I'm staying here. Like I, I, I legitimately do not want to leave. I don't want to leave there at all ever. It's so hard. And I'm depressed. The last time we went down there, we were there for a week and a half and I, f- I lost 10 pounds. <laughs> I ate, but I lost 10 pounds. I was relaxed. I was like napping in the middle of the day after swimming. I mean, I was like, oh man, I just felt so good down there and so relaxed and at peace. And, um, I didn't want to leave. And I was like, what could I do? I could do what, what kind of jobs? I'll do any kind of odd job just to live down here. Now, obviously my wife's married to the port. Um, as well as married to me. And that's great because the port's been very good to us. Um, so I'm not complaining. Um, but, you know, we we have a path in our life that is the path that we're supposed to go down. And we could try to shoehorn things into it. So full, di- full, full disclosure, I'm, a, I'm the kind of person that believes that there's purpose in my life. And, and even the things that go wrong can be very purposeful or that seem wrong at the time but they'll end up having some kind of genuine great purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I had to remind myself like, no, this is, this is the path that I'm supposed to be on. This is, this is the path that I'm supposed to go. 
Um, and I'm supposed to, you know, be diligent and continue moving down this path. And, uh, every time I've tried to do other paths, you know, it doesn't work out because it's not the one I'm supposed to be on. Um, and I, and, and, and personally, I believe that's the Holy spirit as a Christian believer. I believe that's the Holy spirit that's directing my steps as I'm allowing him to, as I'm saying, okay, you, you tell me where I need to go. And my life's been pretty adventurous. I've been a, I've been a teacher and a youth pastor. I've worked in, uh, school environments. I've, I now have all kinds of knowledge about managing properties and what goes into leasing properties. And, you know, I, I'm just gaining lots of information. And though sometimes I bemoan how boring or whatever my jobs are, it's also given me outlets to do photography or even this podcast is something that, I mean, who knew that, you know, our drunken conversations on <laughs> on a weekend night would lead to something like, we should do this. And like, yeah. And then it's actually yeah, right. something that we, I really look forward to. And enjoy, and I'm learning all kinds of things as I keep butting my head against situations that I don't understand. And good people have come in, so I've just had to remind myself that's that's the path that they were supposed to go on, and this is the one I'm supposed to go on. And if it changes, it changes. But right now, I mean, I have to be joyful in the place that I'm at currently. We also like I think we do this a lot where we we make these comparisons and we, we start thinking like, Oh, if I just, if I just, and like, in this case, it's like, if I just live there, Mm -hmm. I would have all these things. And, you know, it's like people are waiting for something to happen to them with the expectation that everything is perfect. Yep. And without like thinking about what it is that they actually want. So like in this case, like, yes, it would be great to live there. It's beautiful. It's relaxing, but how, what are the things that are going on that lead to that? And how do we re- recreate them where we're at? Cause like you and I are pretty anchored in, in our places. And so we need to look for ways to get that relaxation that we need. And if we really do want to spend more time outdoors, we live in Seattle and one of the most like easy to access outdoor areas yep. possible. And yep. we just don't. So why don't we, and exactly. how do we prioritize that? If that's a priority, make it a priority. It's a great point, John. So, yeah. I mean, I think it's really easy to say, I think people do this a lot and especially as teenagers, they do a lot like, uh, I need to leave because it's just, this place isn't working for me. Yep. And I think a lot of it is more like, like you said, there's more self-discovery there than, uh, that needs to happen. Um, something else is going on. And if you're unhappy here, odds are you're going to be unhappy wherever you go because yeah. there's something else going on. That's right. That you haven't sorted out. That's right. Like it's once, not the place. It's yeah. you. <laughs> once the, that's right. Once the uh, honeymoon vacation yeah. feeling wears off and you get down into your rhythms, like, are you still actively hiking or fishing every couple of days? And you might, I mean, it, it's possible that you might, but I think people move to other places a lot with an expectation that the place will change them, Yep. but they need to change themselves. Yeah. Otherwise the place isn't really going to have a, a big difference. You're just making life harder in yourself because now you got to uproot everything. You haven't done the hard work. Yep. Yep. That you're 100% right about that. You are. And and it reminds me of the, uh, it's, uh, it's the grass is always greener on the other side paradox, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. and the reason why that there's actually a science behind that. The reason why is because if you looked at your neighbor's grass from the side, all you see is the side of the green, the green grass. But if you mm-hmm. actually went over there, you would find all the brown but <laughs> burnt dead spots, unwatered spots on their lawn. It's not greener necessarily mm-hmm. over there. It's quite the same. They look at your yard and they, you might see some weeds and stuff, which we all have weeds in our life, but mm-hmm. it's not any different in the color of green. Maybe they mm-hmm. take care of it a little bit better, but yeah, that just all that means is you could just use a little extra water on yours too. But there if is you, also the, you can't oh, switch places, it's just going to be, it's still grass. Yes. Well, and there there is a thing I think that that people miss too is like this rose that like the grass is greener is a funny example because maybe the grass is greener, but maybe it's because the person who owns that grass is putting in a shitload of work in making that grass green and you just don't want to put in that effort. You just want green grass, but the reality is you don't you don't want to put effort into that one thing. And that's fine. You shouldn't have to like you should. But realizing that and saying like, um, what was I listening to where they were they were talking about? Um, oh, it's that book. Unfuck yourself. Yeah. Um, he brought up the point. He's like, you, we look at all these people and we're like, we're aspiring to be CEO or a CrossFit champion or whatever it happens to be like this high level goals. And one of his points is he's like, those people who are super high achieving in something 
sacrifice a ton to get there. Yeah. And do you want to make that sacrifice? Most yep. of us don't. Yep. And the second you like recognize that, like, look, yeah, I want to be CEO. That'd be great. I get to make decisions and be in charge and I get to be in, you know, of course, a paycheck or whatever, <laughs> but I'm not going to give up 16 hours on my day and not any time with my family yep. to make that happen. Yep. That to me is not worth it. So I will unlikely never be a CEO unless I start my own company. <clears throat> yeah. Well, Dan and I have recently talked about that too. Cause I said, well, I can work more. I can make more money. I can actually go somewhere else and make way more money than they're paying me currently. And she's like, yeah, but with it, you do, would you have the same atmosphere? I go, no, not necessarily. And she goes, and don't you like the freedom that you have with the time that you can, you can just take off whenever you want. And as long as your work's done and stuff like that, I'm like, yeah. She's like, so isn't that kind of payment, you know, that you get to have that freedom? I'm like, yeah, I guess it is. You know, my, I get paid in time really, mm -hmm. you know, and that time is valuable. It's the one thing that <laughs> one day we're all going to wish we had more of hundred percent. So I do, I think about that. So I was in outside sales for years and I think you took it for granted. I always wanted to get out of it and I don't want to go back in. But one of the things that I recognized when I started working in an office regularly is like, I actually did a lot of life related things while I was out on the road, yep. like grocery shopping yep. or like scheduling and haircuts or yeah. dry cleaning or whatever. Like those, those, like I, I took it for granted how great it was to just be able to do that on whatever my schedule was. Like yeah. I didn't have to like let my boss know that I'm going to leave the office early because I have a dentist appointment or things like I didn't have to do that. I yeah. just scheduled it and yeah. then put in a mark. I mean, I took that for granted. That was really nice. I do. I do very much miss that. However, <laughs> the trade off is I like what I do now a lot more than I have liked pretty much any of my other past jobs. So um, maybe I don't get that freedom necessarily, um, but I'm happier. I'm less stressed and like, I'm not a stress ball like I have been in the past. And that to me is really valuable, especially when it comes to like personal longevity and enjoying my time outside of work. It's easier uh, to do that now. It's easier to disconnect. Uh, I also think some of those jobs, especially when I work for that, uh, that local online book retailer. Oh yeah. Out, out there in <clears throat> Seattle, mm -hmm. like Borders. that's just bad for your heart. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like if you're stressed all the time, you're going to die young. Yep. And I don't want that. Yep. And some people don't mind being stressed all the time. I got enough shit to deal with in my own anxiety with my own anxiety that I don't need like my job making it worse. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Definitely. Definitely. And even in my, um, I hear what you're saying, even in my photography too. So even in my hobbies, it's easy for me to get in a comparison trap with other photographers, especially local photographers. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, cause it's like, Oh, what if theirs is better than my, Oh, their camera is better than mine. Oh man. What if they, you know, what if they shoot better than mine? I recently met a guy at the West Seattle farmer's market and he was down there. He's a local photographer and he had the new, uh, Leica monochrome is $7,000 camera <laughs> and only shoots in black and white. Mm. And I'm sitting there thinking, Oh man, I bet you he's just really good photos. Cause you know, cause I'm thinking a good photographer, only a good photographer who's made money will invest in a $7,000 camera. Like mine, I bought it used, and it's a Fuji X Pro Two, and and I love the hell out of that camera. But I mean, it was like used for nine hundred dollars, <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, I guess I'm just and and it's just a hobby for me. But instead of getting like pissed off about it or kind of like, oh man, I bet you this guy's better than me, I just went up to him. I'm like, hey man, I'm also a photographer. I, I live around here. Where are you from? And I've done that every time I see a photographer down there. I go up to him, ask him about their camera, how they like shooting it. And instead of comparing myself to them, I just want to be a friend to them. Like, hey, how how can we? You want to go shooting sometime? You want to go, um, you know, street photography? What else do you do? That kind of stuff, and just try to make friends rather than trying to make a competitor. Well, it's like like you talked about Westland and their connection with other distilleries, and like the craft brewing industry is is notorious for working together to build the industry. Sure. Like they they all kind of know each other. Like. Um, when I was visiting a lot more breweries in Seattle and I'd go around and I'd actually actively talk to people, like I kind of did a short stint with, the, with, uh, with Paul doing a podcast, um, really. Hey, what was the name of that podcast? Uh, Bruce speak, man, if you guys would think about it, if you guys would have stayed with it, oh, it'd probably be like the longest number one beer, like podcast ever. Cause that was a long time ago. It was early on yeah. podcasting. 
I do try. I keep trying to get Paul to to bring it back up because we did have a small group of people that would listen. Yeah. And so much so that one time Paul was in Boston and somehow it came up. I don't know if he was wearing his Bruce Week shirt or somehow. And the bartender was like, oh, yeah, I've listened to that. Like other side of the country out of nowhere, which was awesome. That felt really good. He owes me one. I I he agreed if I did something for him, he would do one more episode of Bruce Beak. Yeah. Um, so we're going to, we're going to see if we can make that work. That's awesome. Um, so that's, that's a, aside from it. Um, but yeah, I'd go to the breweries and I talk to the brewers and I'll produce um, it. I'll produce and, it. Oh, I appreciate that. It would just be like the, the side hustle to the side hustle. No, we won't even call it beer bourbon balderdash. I'll just produce your podcast, but he'll probably, that'll probably bother him because he likes to edit the yeah, shit well, out so, of stuff. So the agreement was, so he, <laughs> he stopped doing it because he didn't, he didn't have, he didn't want to commit to that amount of time. He couldn't because he insisted on heavily editing and producing the whole thing. And I was like, no, let's just like have a rough script. We'll have our standard format that we do. And what happens, what happens, whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Like we're not, we're not creating a crime docu-series. We're talking about beer and we're just a couple of idiots. It'll be great. Yeah. Um, but he just wouldn't do it. He was too worried that it would like make him look bad if we did it poorly. I'm like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, who do you think is going to listen to this that gives a shit? Yeah. So anyway, um, hopefully we'll do it one more time. God, uh, makes but him look bad. I know. I, I thought it was silly too, but whatever. Uh, my whole my point bringing it up was I would go to the breweries and I talked to the breweries and I'd be like, hey, can you know, I'd love to sit and chat with you. And more than one time on more than one occasion, it'd be like somebody from say maritime would be like, Oh, I'll be down the street at Rubens after work. That's like my go-to after I finish working at this brewery, I go to this other brewery. That's my hangout. And so they like, they frequent each other's locations. I mean, and it makes a lot of sense actually. Because if you're making your own beer over and over again, you probably don't want to drink just your own beer all the time because you yeah. always have it. Yeah. Uh, and you make connections with people and you've, you've like, you have to remember just like with anything, those people are beer lovers. Yeah. So why wouldn't they go somewhere else? Well, and you're talking shop, but you're not talking shop, right? So you're talking creatively rather than business. So yeah. like I've, I've talked to other podcasters um, by doing this. Uh, Craig, who actually told us that I was doing the echo um, on the, uh, live stream tonight and Craig, Craig Weinberg, he's a fantastic guy. Um, his podcast is called the interview. He's interviewed tons of politicians, especially in this state of South Dakota, I think South Dakota. And, uh, recently, um, there, I found him through, uh, Tina Curry. So Adam Curry's wife, mm -hmm. um, and she posted something, I think, on Instagram, and I kind of connected. Uh, I like looked at his stuff there because he's also a photographer. He runs a studio. He does video and photo and does podcasting. And uh, he did a really fantastic interview with Adam Curry recently, and then Adam Curry's pastor recently. And uh, and so I kind of I sent him some satoshis through Fountain.fm. People, Fountain.fm. Podverse. You can boost people. You can send us comments with a boost with your crypto. It's fantastic. And we'll read them online. <clears throat> and so I sent him some stuff saying, great interview. You ask questions that no one else has ever asked. Cause Adam, Adam Curry has been on Joe Rogan. He's been on, um, uh, Glenn Beck. He's been on all kinds of podcasts and you know, he's, he's well, very well known Bitcoin. He's big in Bitcoin groups and stuff like that too. And yet Craig asked him questions that no one else has ever asked him that I thought were fantastic. He's a great interviewer. Uh, his podcast is called The Interview. You guys can find it on um, all the uh, Podcasting 2.0 apps. And just by talking to him, you know, we're talking about podcasts and we're just talking about, we're talking about our podcast. And it's fun because it's kind of a creative thing that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And I, and I enjoy that part because it kind of, it grows me. In a way. Yeah. So I, th I think there's like an underlying, re very relatable um, thought in all of this. It's like, it's the frame of reference, right? Like we very much could go out and look at the whiskey tribe and be like, look at these fucking schmucks. Like I they're love doing them. it. How come, how come I don't, how yeah. come I don't have those followers or whatever? Like you start comparing yourself to them, but like, it's a frame of reference. Like, instead of like trying to say, why am I not as good as them? Why? I mean, like, why do they even have to be connected? 
Yeah. Why can't you just say, that's great. They're doing something great. Good for them. Yeah. And well, why don't we help I promote wanna, them? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, and then on the flip side, like, I know I like, there's no amount of me seeing somebody else doing something well, that's going to make me think I can't do better. Yeah. Right. Like I know I can do better. I know I can keep moving down that road. I don't need somebody else's version or seeing somebody else do better for me to know that I can do better. And I don't have to like subconsciously tear them down yep. or tear myself down to help myself get there. That's, that's a great point, dude. Stop being authentic in order to be better than someone else. Mm-hmm. That'd mm-hmm. be terrible, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And there's like, especially with something like this too, like nobody loves a curmudgeon. No. <laughs> so like the people that are just like dickholes about trying to be better or think they're better than anybody else, nobody likes those people. Yeah. Yeah. So I, like if your goal is to become, I mean, it's essentially a pop, podcast or a popularity contest. And if your goal is to become popular, don't, don't be a dickhole. Yep. I mean, I guess it works for some, but you only have dickholes following you. Only, yeah, only, be, yeah, exactly. Only because you're being controversial by being an asshole. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, I would rather be, uh, I'd rather be popular in the fact that we help promote other people or that we were friends with other people, you know, that we help give them content that they asked us to be on their podcast. So, and then, you know, be on our podcast and have something to drink and, uh, you know, stuff like that I think would be mm-hmm. better than, and getting upset that we're comparing one another. And honestly, yeah. you know, as far as this podcast is concerned, um, I think it's easy to, I think we could fall in a comparison trap. There's a lot of bourbon podcasts and beer podcasts and stuff like that. And and we don't mm-hmm. necessarily, I think, stand out. Um, I mean, we're different than other ones, honestly. Um, but uh, we do this for ourselves. And mm-hmm. if our, if our listeners come along for the ride and they enjoy what they hear, then they're part of, they're the balderdashers. They, mm-hmm. uh, they get to be part of this. Yeah. And, and on that topic, I mean, folks, if you want to comment to John and I, if you want to talk to us, uh, it's very, very simple. We want to hear what you're drinking. We want to hear what, uh, what you think about this podcast in particular, how you've mm-hmm. handled comparing yourself with others. Uh, you can reach out to us. It's balderdash boys at protonmail.com. That's B A L D E R D A S H boys, B O Y S, not Z. We're not boys. Uh, we're boys <laughs> at protonmail.com. Uh, you can reach us at Instagram, beer, bourbon, and balderdash, Twitter, beer, bourbon, and balderdash. You can reach us um, through uh, our website, beer, bourbon, balderdash.com. And uh, you can leave us a comment under every episode, what you thought about it. And we would really like to hear the feedback. Yeah, um, sure. I talked to um, I talked to our guy at uh, um, Blueberry Hosting today, uh, Mike Dell. Um, he kind of walked me through some things. I wanted to make sure our settings. And I said, Mike, there's, there's a lot of international people that listen to our show according to our statistics. I said, is that true? Is, are these VPNs? And he's like, no, those are those are those are probably legit listeners. Actual random. And I said, what? And he goes, yeah. And I said that that can't be true because uh, here I'll I'll pull it up right here. I said, uh, here, come on, go go go. I said, uh, as far as worldwide, I have sixty one listeners in Spain. You're telling me I have sixty one listeners from our last podcast in Spain. Yeah, I go, I go, those aren't sense. VPNs. He goes, you think 61 people are using their VPN and pinging it off Spain? <laughs> and I <laughs> That's went, a good point. No. <laughs> so what up to our Spain listeners? Yeah. Thanks, Spain. Uh, Argentina, 50 listeners. Canada, 31. Belgium, 29. Bulgaria, 27. Germany, 21. Max. I see you, Max. Hey, Croatia, Max. 20. Philippines, 19. Thailand, 18. Uh, Italy 17. Thank you to our worldwide listeners. We have worldwide listeners, John. We've, yeah, we've gone global. No, dude, I'm not shitting you. <laughs> I know. I know. It's awesome. We have 144 listeners in our last podcast uh, here in the United States. Thank you all for listening. We appreciate you. Not only do we uh, would like your donations so that we can keep this thing running, it does take time for us to keep this running, especially with our um, production gear. Uh, but also, uh, we would just love to hear from you. Honestly, you don't even have to send us satoshis or anything. Just drop us a line. Uh-huh. Tell us what you think. Tell us where you're from. Tell us how you found us. Yeah, That'd be absolutely. awesome. And then you know, also if 
Go ahead. If you have a, if you have a second favorite podcast, let us know what that is. Yeah, and we'll burn them. No, we'll <laughs> uh, we'll talk to them. <laughs> yeah, we'll reach out to them. Yeah, and and you know we'll uh, we also would just like to know how you found us and what you listen to, like what podcast uh, app do you listen to us on? Uh, so you know, contact us. Uh, you know, we would, we're really interested and thank you for all of our Washington listeners, Massachusetts, California, Idaho, Illinois, Missouri, New York, Texas, Florida, Michigan, uh, Utah. Thank you. Pennsylvania, South Dakota, Arkansas, New Jersey, Arizona. I mean, we have listeners in almost every 50 state, buddy. So it's, uh, it's pretty right, awesome. What are we missing? Where do we need to promote? Uh, New Hampshire, Louisiana, uh, right. Georgia. Oh, um, well, maybe we should. Maybe oh, we should do it. Wyoming do a, and Montana. I think maybe I need to do some promotion as I go out through Montana. We should do a. Uh, we should do a terrapin beer. A terrapin beer. Yeah, they're uh, sort of a regional, a large regional brewery out of Atlanta. They're okay. like, and they're on every Delta flight. Oh, are so they, they? They they supply beers to Delta Airlines. There's always a terrapin IPA or something on there. Excellent. And uh, yeah, we should. We absolutely should. And I and I want to tell all of you listeners that uh, from the bottom of our hearts, we really appreciate that you would tune in and listen to this. So please continue to listen. And uh, again, I cannot stress how much we would just love to connect with you. We would love to hear mm-hmm. from you. Uh, so don't be shy. Uh, contact us. Reach out to us on any of our social media stuff. And uh, and let us know. And let's, let's mm-hmm. get a relationship going because yeah. John and I are here to just – we're just going to chit-chat and talk. Yep. And uh, if you get something out of it, boy, that would make us uh, and make us really happy. So I thank will you. I'd like the 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 suggestions part to me is really uh, like that's the connection that I really, really would love. Like if you are from a region that we don't frequent, mm-hmm. please, please, please let us know what your favorite brewery is or what your favorite beer is so that we can try to source it. And then like I travel for work sometimes West is too. So so we get out and about. And if we happen to be in those areas yep. and we're adventuring, we would we would absolutely try to stop by there, pick it up, talk about it on the podcast, give you the, the props for it. Or even if you're up for it, meet you there. Yep. Just just don't be a murderer. Yep. <laughs> and I have an international man that can uh, – I have a man that uh, is international that can often give me international stuff uh, if I ask for it. So um, <laughs> so keep that in mind as well. We're not yeah. that limited. We're actually we, – it's actually a special relationship that we have. Um, and then uh, – how, how special. It's pretty special. You can ask him yourself next time you're home too. <laughs> and um, I love it. Yeah, and then um, oh, what was else? There's another thing off the tip of my tongue. We probably should bring this up in the beginning because people don't listen to the end. Actually, they do. We have eighty six percent retention. Yeah. Yeah, so out of all do. those people that listen to the podcast, eighty six percent go all the way to the end. Thank you. That's like a huge to number too. Thank you. Yeah, I, I love finishing. <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> tantric sting shit <laughs> and there ladies and gentlemen is your sex talk of the week <laughs> it's all the way or nothing baby oh man and on that note johnny it's <laughs> a good way to finish yeah just, hey. Hey. that's so funny uh this is beer bourbon balderdash episode 64 uh, we talked about comparing yourself, and uh, we drank some uh, fantastic Westland American Oak Heritage Single Malt Whiskey, and from Barrel Mountain Brewing, Ash Cloud. Ash Cloud. Ash Cloud. Book Not Ash Clown. Ash Cloud. <laughs> and uh, this is a value for value podcast, so of course that means as you find value, you can give us back value, whether it is uh, always time, treasure, or talent. If you want to help us out too, we I I would love someone else to take over social media stuff, um, or just if you want to help me, if you say, "Hey man, I can help your production," bing, we'll take it. Mm. A lot of people I've reached out to, and I've made connections of really lovely people in this whole community. So I do appreciate all of them, and they know who they are. Next week, John and I uh, we're going to try something a little different. So if you connect with us next week, don't be scared. We're going to do our episode completely written by chat GPT. It'll be a complete dumpster fire. <laughs> and uh, hopefully we can uh, act it out well enough that it sounds legit. What do you think? Yeah, that's, um, yeah I don't know. I think it's going to go really bad. 
<laughs> I'm hoping it will. And uh, oh, hey, um, by the time you hear this, well, if you're listening live right now, you'll you're hear about it. If you're in the Seattle area, there's a no agenda meetup here in West Seattle at the Beverage Place on California Avenue at 3:30 on Saturday. That's tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've never been to the Beverage Place and you love beer, that's the place to go. They yeah, have they great have beer tons on tap. And, uh, you and can, unique, but you have to bring your own food. <clears throat> that's the only. That's the only caveat. Bring your own. You food. can order it in. They have nuts. <laughs> You've got nuts. And uh, these nuts. These nuts. And then, um, if you're hearing this on Monday, which is most likely, uh, it's done and over with. Listen on the ne- next No Agenda, and you'll hear for it. So, uh, John's got to go get his package. So we're gonna <laughs> just just getting the call. Okay, go timing. for it. Good, go for it. And uh, thanks again, everybody, for listening. Oh, John, wait, you got to say it. John, say your thing. I'll say it for him, folks. Fuck. Good night.